when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Going through the papers today, so much commentary on Brexit and as many people are putting it, uh, Britain's Brexit uh, crisis. There is pages and pages of column inches and Michael has already been in with a WhatsApp this morning on this issue saying Minister Harold Wilson once said a week was a long time in politics, but yesterday was certainly one long day in politics. You have to admire the tenacity of the Prime Minister, Theresa May, but on our own Dáil plinth and in the chamber we had Fianna Fáil going down what Michael believes is the reckless path of trying to wreck the gruelling work of, their, of our government and representatives in Brussels especially Minister Simon Coveney and Minister Helen McEntee it was disgusting he says to watch on national television they couldn't even get themselves to acknowledge it credit to Pierre Starge of the Sinn Féin party who acknowledged the government in the chamber and even the four party delegation from Northern Ireland acknowledged the Irish government ministers. Let's hope the lack of unity isn't going to creep into Dáil Éireann similar to what Michael feels is the circus that's going on in the House of Commons a house which is in need of a good dose of reality they have not yet realised that there is no other deal in town and that there won't be. They still think they uh, they are an empire a space that will be well worth watching. My money is still on the Prime Minister Theresa May. I'm thinking she knows more than we know uh, says uh, Michael and actually Yesterday when I watched with interest and waited for Theresa May when she announced that she was going to be giving a press conference at uh, five o'clock and I was sitting there, <laughs> I find that frustrating when they say five o'clock, why don't they turn up and do it at five o'clock? And you're sitting there watching the empty plinth waiting for her to come out and start talking and it was after five. But anyway, I was feeling sort of sure that she was going to resign. I just thought with everything that was going on uh, during the day I mean she, I mean I think the Times, the Irish edition of the Times certainly sum up they have a picture of her at that press conference yesterday and the headline is Lonely May staggers on after cabinet resignations and you know they talk about how she's at the mercy now of the remaining Brexiteer cabinet ministers after you know there was an attempted coup. There was a wave of resignations yesterday. I think a real blow to her was when she attempted to persuade Michael Gove to become what would be would be her third Brexit secretary. Uh, and he um, turned it down. So, you know, you just you kind of think she is in a very lonely uh, position. She does have a dogged tenacity uh, about her. But I'm just seeing coming through in the news wires now a source close to the UK's government whips office uh, 
says a no confidence vote in Theresa May is now likely. Now, will she survive that no confidence uh, vote? And then if she doesn't survive it, who's there to take her place? I mean, Jacob Rees-Mogg? wouldn't be somebody I certainly would like to have control of negotiations for a Brexit. I would certainly worry about the future uh, for Ireland and um, and, and indeed for the United Kingdom if, if that man was in charge. But anyway, only time will tell and there is a lot more. As I was said yesterday when speaking with the Minister for, for Agriculture, you know, this was just the first battle when it comes from getting an agreement but the real war uh, continues and there is going to be a lot of negotiations going on between now and the end of uh, March 1850 but if so if you're not Brexited out pick up any paper today as I say there's an awful lot in the papers uh, about it and more to come now coming up on the programme this morning Working families being blamed for the so-called bed blockers. The bed blockers are the delayed discharges. These are people who are in the main uh, older people. They are in hospital beds. They're in acute hospital beds. Whatever treatment they had or operation procedures they had, uh, they're finished with. The Their doctors, clinicians have assessed them and say, yep, yeah, they're ready to go home. But these are people who either need, can't just walk out of their hospital bed and go home. They either need to go down to some kind of a step down facility. They need to go to a nursing home or they are able to go home to their own houses, but they can only do it with care. They can only do it if there's a family member there to look after them or they can only do it if there is a proper home care package in place. None of those things are available to these people, these uh, delayed discharge uh, people. So they're languishing in an acute bed. They don't want to be in that uh, acute bed, I can I can tell you. And because they're in the acute bed, it means people who need to get in, maybe somebody who needs a procedure, but will need to stay in hospital for a couple of days. Hospital will say, can't do that hip operation because we don't have beds for you. Why don't we have beds? Well, we have a number of delayed discharges uh, and we can't get the people who are the delayed discharges, people who are ready to go home, uh, we can't get them out. They're not going to turf them out of the bed unless there is either a step-down facility or there's family members uh, to look after them or there's a home care package in place. Is it fair to blame working families? A lot of families uh, went out to work, particularly during the boom, and then they got tied up with large mortgages. There are many families where both 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 uh, parents are working, uh, not by choice. Many of them are working. It's keeping the roof over their heads. It's paying the bills. They have expenses with uh, families. Now there are other people who want to work. It's not that they're they're going out. Um, you know they're they're being forced out to work. There are many people that like the idea of work and would hate the idea of uh, staying at home. There are also, I think, as well complex needs of some elderly people that some family members feel, no, I wouldn't be able to look after Granny because of some of her complex needs. No, I wouldn't be able to look after Dad. I wouldn't be able to look after Ma. Then, of course, remember you've got, let's throw into the mix family dynamics. You have some family members who just don't get on. You've got adult children who don't get on with their parents for whatever reason. It could be stuff that happened in uh, childhood, falling out. Families, God knows, families fall out sometimes over very small things, sometimes over very large things. And because of that, people will say, well, why should I look after X, Y and Z? They weren't very kind to me uh, during life. You know, so there's a variety of different reasons. It isn't just because 
somebody has been forced out to work. So we're going to discuss that on the programme. But also try to find out, I mean, what is available, particularly for step-down facilities, what is available for in, when it comes to nursing homes, for example? Because there was also the news yesterday, and I'm assuming this is part of the winter planning by the HSE, there's going to be a big push to start discharging people, patients over the age of 75 who are currently in hospital. They're going to make sure, get their care sorted out as quickly as they can and get them out of the hospital beds to free up beds that they know they're going to need over the Christmas and into the new year. But I mean, you know, discharging people over 75 is all well and good if they're able for it and if the proper home care packages are in place so there's nursing homes for them to uh, go to. We're going to be speaking with the young uh, Mallow dancer Molly Ward who features in the John Lewis TV ad you may have already gone online and, see, and seen it I don't know when it's we'll try and find out when is it first maybe Molly will know herself when is it first scheduled to hit our TV screens I have a funny feeling that the ad doesn't go out until the start of December but I could be wrong on that we'll see if we can get an actual date when it's due to go out on TV as of now if you just Google it it's all over the uh, internet High interest rates charged by money lenders we're going to be looking at a call to cap these high interest rates. When I was doing some reading up on this yesterday, I was really taken aback at the number of people who were tied into uh, money lenders. We had a huge problem in this country many years ago with illegal money lenders. Uh, then the government uh, of the day decided, no, we need to do something about this. So they put legal money lenders in place. Now, what we're looking at today are these legal money lenders. What these people are doing is nothing illegal. But what I didn't know was there's no cap. They can charge whatever interest they like. And that obviously is causing huge problems for the people who get caught up almost in the cycle of borrowing. And they get caught up in the cycle of borrowing from these money lenders because they're on low income. Perhaps they're um, they're on social welfare. They are the, the working poor that Father Sean Healy often talks about. And of course, we're coming into a very expensive time for, for everyone. Christmas is expensive for everyone, but it's very expensive if you've got children in the house and particularly small children in the house where Santa Claus will need uh, to call. And as parents, you know, they want to give the very best that they can to their children. And because of that, do they feel pressurised to borrowing more money from these money lenders. And then, of course, January, the reality of January hits when all of the tinsel and the decorations are taken down and all this money has to be paid back. And, of course, a lot of these legal money lenders make it very easy to borrow uh, because they call door to door to collect. And the catalogue companies, they're also deemed money lenders and they're charging huge interest rates as well. So we're going to look at that uh, today, look at why and what can be done to cap these at least cap the rates, but also how do you get somebody out of that circle of borrowing from uh, money lenders? And young Eamon Walsh, who is a Mitchellstown student, he's leaving cert, didn't he, this year? Because last year when we spoke to him, he was in leaving cert year. Yeah, he's in college now. He is studying music, obviously, in college. He's the young boy soprano who we had in studio he was probably about 10 or 11 and then of course his voice broke and oh what's going to happen now but you know as we predicted at the time he has a great 
musical future ahead of him because this boy is very, very talented and he joins us uh, to give us advance warning of a Christmas concert that he's organising uh, for charity in the Mitchellstown area and it is Friday so that means we'll talk movies with Mark. That and more on the programme and of course whatever you want raised, any issues you want raised, any topics uh, you want to discuss. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Sandy, this is on Brexit and uh, what it was um, the point Michael made earlier, giving out about Fianna Fáil, who were, according to uh, Michael, he felt that, if I can find his comment now, he felt that uh, Fianna Fáil were going down the reckless path of trying to wreck the gruelling work of the government and the representatives instead of congratulating the government on what they'd done and getting the agreement uh, together. Sandy says Irish TDs should not pass a comment on the Brexit deal at all. It's like a jibe to the DUP anytime TDs comment positively on anything Brexit related. Uh, Sammy Wilson's tirade on Leo Varadkar's alleged flyover restrictions and other comments, which I'm certain, says Sandy, were never made by him, indicates the rhetoric used to inflame unionists despite businesses in Northern Ireland telling the DUP to get over themselves, says uh, Sandy. And I do think you're right about TDs being very careful about passing comment on Brexit. I mean, even yesterday, uh, I, I know noticed how measured in his response was the Minister for Agriculture Michael Creed and when I was asking him to give any sort of personal comment on anything that was going on particularly what was happening across the water in Westminster he said that they are being very very careful uh, in what they're saying they don't want to inflame anything they don't want any quotes to come back saying oh sure look this is what the Irish government uh, thinks so I think they're being very careful in, in, in giving very measured responses to anything that, that they're asked about and not giving their own uh, personal comment which I think is a sensible move when everything is so sensitive uh, at the moment. And uh, Martin says, Hi Patricia and John Paul, is it true that there will be a massive protest in France this weekend against the high cost of petrol and diesel prices at the pumps and they're increasing all of the time in France. They say it will affect the popularity of the French government. Uh, Thanking you. Yeah, it is true. We mentioned this uh, yesterday uh, and they're saying that it could uh, damage uh, Macron uh, and his leadership in France and French people. By God, do they know how to protest. They reckon they're going to close down roads. I saw some pictures already on the papers uh, today. I think it's tomorrow is the day of the big protest and there's also talk of protests across uh, Belgium. They're just saying enough is enough. They're paying enough. Uh, we, we just give out and fill up the car and move on with it. But in France, when the petrol and the diesel prices go too high, they decide to do something about it. 1850 Let's take a break. and back talking about what we can do about delayed discharges in our hospital. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now, working families are being blamed by health officials as one of the reasons for a rise in so-called bed blockers in public hospitals. While more people are working, fewer are therefore available to act as carers in the home. But lack of options on home care and step-down facilities has long been a problem for the HSC when it comes to these delayed discharges. Ty Daly is CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland and uh, he joins me. Good morning to you, Ty. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, And you're welcome. Is it very unfair to blame working families for not being available to care for elderly relatives? Absolutely, I was appalled. I must say, when I when I read that article, and well, it might be part of 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 the challenge. You know, as you say, to use your own term, blaming families is completely uh, inappropriate. What we need to do is focus on on the solutions. 
Uh, and, you know, the solution, it, is, it is complex, there's no doubt about it, but uh, I suppose we're a bit frustrated in the nursing home sector given that there is uh, capacity within the sector and it's not always utilised uh, to, to, to the full. Uh, and, you know, again, I suppose we over the years we talk about winter planning. I mean, winter planning is, is all year round now, unfortunately. And um, what we're saying to government is that engagement much, much earlier than, than November is required with all of the stakeholders. You know, we're not naive think that we have all the answers, but uh, we're a significant part, uh, part of the solution. Yeah, and because of acute needs uh, with some patients, it isn't always possible for an elderly person to be looked after at home. Absolutely. And that's what we're seeing, really. I mean, uh, the, the acuity and the complexity of care now, uh, the age profile uh, of, of residents presenting. Um, I mean, it's very positive that people are living longer. We should be celebrating that fact. And very often we lose sight of that. But uh, what we need to do is ensure that we have, uh, you know, a well-functioning continuum of care for older people that meets their needs at that particular time, whether it's acute, whether it's home or whether it's uh, residential care. What we're seeing in the nursing home sector is, as I say, much more uh, highly complex. Um, and much more challenging, I suppose, and the average length of stay is much, much shorter. Um, so it, it is a challenge, there's no doubt about it, but, you know, pointing fingers and, and throwing stones, as it were, is not is not going to solve it, and that's very disappointing in terms of the language that you sometimes, uh, I refuse to use the, the, the awful uh, term that they use in terms of bed blockers, I've not yeah. used it, but, uh, you know, it really is terrible. The, you know, all the people It's so offensive. Absolutely, it's completely, it is offensive, in, in, you know, that's a mild word for it in many respects. I mean, what you have is older people who present at hospital with, with acute care, they don't want to be there any longer than, than they, they require to be there. Uh, what we need to do as a society is ensure that we have a range of options available to them so they can get back either to their own home with housing adaptations, with a home care package, or, or indeed into residential care. Delayed discharges, uh, I was looking at the figures yesterday, Risen, there were 481 back in the start of the year in January and the last available figures I could get was September. That had risen to 613 and yet you almost opened your interview this morning by saying you have capacity in, in nursing homes. Yeah, and to be fair to the HSE, you know, again, in the last couple of years, I suppose we would have had a very strong focus on the what we would again term the winter and it would have been transitional care. To be fair, in the last 12 months, they have increased some funding for transitional care. So it means that people can get funding for a period of four four weeks uh, while they decide on their, I suppose, their next uh, path, if you like. So that has increased. I mean, almost 9,000 people transitioned from acute hospitals right across the country last year to, to nursing homes. Uh, and I think we should, we should acknowledge that. Uh, but more needs to be done, absolutely. I mean, we would, uh, at any given time, uh, right across the country, have something in the order of eleven to 1,200 beds available uh, for um, care of the older people in, in our nursing homes because what we're seeing is, as I said, the average length of stay dropping. So the, the, the time people spend in nursing homes now is, is significantly reduced. So th- there is capacity there, there's no doubt about it, and we need to utilise that capacity to the full. But when you say, I mean, 11 to 1,200 beds, that, that's a lot of beds. Are they always in, are they dotted all over the country? I mean, I'm just thinking if yeah. somebody needs a nursing home bed in West Cork and there's, you know, 200 available in Donegal, it's not a much use to somebody in West Cork. Yeah, they are dotted. I mean, we have 374 members in Nursing Homes Ireland, right from, from Carasavine to Carindona, as it were. Um, so they are dotted all over the country. And sometimes people say to us, well, you know, they're not all near the CUH, for example, or near the Mercy or near the University of Limerick. But my reply to that is not all the people in CUH are indeed University of Limerick Hospital are from Absolutely, Limerick. absolutely. They're from Clare in yeah. Limerick's case or they're from North Kerry and likewise in Cork if they're in University uh, CUH or indeed Mercy Hospital they're from West Cork, North Cork, Mid Cork. 
Um, so, yeah, we have capacity right across the country. Absolutely. No, you know, it may not always be the first choice and, you know, we'd have to accept that. Uh, but I think the priority here is to is twofold. One is to ensure that the, the person who's in the acute hospital who no longer requires care gets out into the community. The community is a better place for them to be in terms of rehabilitation, in terms of kind of meaningful activities in nursing home. The, the people will tell you that the acute hospital is the last place they should be, you know, at risk of infection, for example. Uh, so... Uh, we need to get people out uh, as quickly as possible. And then, you know, if a person feels that they might like, like to be in a nursing home nearer their home, then they can transfer potentially. Uh, when a bed ideal. becomes available, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's not yeah. ideal, obviously. Uh, we'd like to think that, but, but you know, we're, we're dealing with a, an ageing population. Uh, we're dealing with a challenged health service. So what we need to do is, is, and engage with families as well at an early stage. I mean, families, I suppose, you know, uh, it's obviously a very difficult time when, when they're, a loved one, mother, father, brother, sister is in, is in hospital. Uh, what we would say to families is come and talk to our members and, and plan uh, so that you're not, you know, on the, on the Tuesday wondering what am I going to do next. You should be having that discussion with the family member as early as possible uh, to ensure that you take in their account of their will and preference as well in terms of where they would like to go uh, post-acute uh, post care. Because there was also the news yesterday that scores of people over the age of 75 are to be moved from hospital, you know, either back home or nursing homes uh, were mentioned. I mean, I'm assuming that's part of the winter plan, is it? It appears to be, yeah. I mean, there's an extra 10 million, as I understand it, um, uh, for, for the, the, the winter plan. But again, you know, the ED task force, the emergency ta- department task force uh, meets regularly, as I understand it. Uh, and, you know, the nursing home sector is not represented on that ED task force. And again, you know, that, that beggar's belief, I mean, when I said to people, they said to me, but that makes no sense. I mean, our members have about 23,500 beds across the country. So, um, no, we have engagement in fairness with, with, with Minister Daly um, and, and Minister Harris to a lesser extent um, and the HSE nationally. But, you know, more needs to be done and more can be done. And we'd welcome that fact that there is additional 10 million uh, in, the, in the medium term uh, to address what will be, no doubt, a, a challenging winter. Because let's not forget, there's savings to be made here. It is cheaper to look after a patient. Obviously, the cheapest would be at home, but next yes. would be in. A, but it's still cheaper in a nursing home than in an acute hospital setting. Yeah, I mean, the, the average in an acute hospital is something of the order of 800 to, to 1,000 euros a day. Um, so it, it, it makes economic sense, but ultimately it, it makes perfect sense from the point of view, because if you're from West Cork or North Cork, your family can visit if you're residing in a local nursing home. You know, getting to Cork City to the CUH and parking and travel and all that goes with it can be can be very challenging at, at a very stressful time. Listen, so it makes sense. It makes sense on so many levels. Don't uh, talk. And I think, look, you know, a lot has been done. To be fair, it's not all negative. Um, and I think sometimes we can get over focused on the negative. But I suppose the point we'd make continuously is that you know we've got to be creative. We, we've got to look for solutions all the time. Uh, and you know, the, the best way. Of, of finding those solutions is having all the players around the table. Yeah, yeah. Give them, uh, start talking at least. Um, the, the fair deal scheme uh, tied to finish off is is yeah. that working? Is everything okay there? Is that meeting its needs? It is to be fair. Yeah, I mean, we, we actually we had our annual conference yesterday and uh, we, we released some some information and, and and statistics on the scheme. The actual number of people supported by the scheme ha- has dropped. Would you believe um, from from June uh, sixteen to the end of seventeen? There was 329 less people supported by the scheme. Um, so, you know, it is working well, there's no doubt. And um, But uh, I suppose the big challenge from our, our, our members' point of view is that, the, the, you know, the state fails to recognise what we would term as the, is the true cost of, the true cost of care. Um, so it is, it is challenging in the nursing home sector at the moment. We've had uh, a number of nursing homes closed last year to, due to financial viability. Um, it's a very difficult labour market at the moment in terms of recruiting, particularly healthcare assistance. So, 
um, it, it, uh, it, 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 the health service is, is, I suppose, is always trying, but uh, um, you know we've got to we've got to redouble our efforts to make sure that we can we can meet the needs of what is a, a growing and 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 um, uh, complex care needs population. Why do you believe the jobs are not are not attractive? Are they are they not well are they not paid enough? Well, I suppose. Look, you're, we're competing now at the moment with hospitality and retail, um, and you also have the situation whereby the the um, I suppose unemployment rate is, is down to what is it almost five point three percent, I believe. So yeah. we're all, we're almost at full employment. Um, so, but we've we've been engaged with government recently uh, on the need to look overseas. Um, and there was recently an amendment made in terms of the the agri sector. Uh, where people can come in from from non EEA countries, yeah, uh, to do the jobs that nobody wants to do in Ireland, are there aren't yeah. workers for? Well, there's not enough. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah. we're growing. Look, we should celebrate the fact that we're a growing economy. Yeah, uh, but but we've got to put the systems in place in to be able to deal with that. And we would argue strongly that uh, you know there is a requirement there to lift the ineligible categories of employment listing for for carers in particular. I mean, carers do a fantastic job. I mean, it, it's tough, tough work. Uh, it's not for everybody, and um, so we've got to look. For the people who have an aptitude, who have um, a, a vocation for it, mm. um, so um, we, we've got to go overseas. I mean, the health service generally is, is very reliant on overseas staff, whether it's consultants or doctors or nurses or indeed healthcare assistants. So we've got to look overseas uh, more and more to ensure that we have the, the right number and the right quality. Uh, of, of, of carers. Yeah, because the, the HSE will tell you when they're trying to put home care packages together that they're having a problem getting um, okay. uh, uh, home helps. And I know I was looking, I was reading about one of the uh, private providers who, who provide hours for the HSE saying the same thing, that uh, people are um, preferring to go and get a job at the supermarket than to, to, than, than to work with the HSE. Absolutely, okay. and we, we had our annual awards last night, so it's important to recognise, you know, good care as well and, and the excellence in care. And the staff are the, the young, I mean, you know, a bit of a truism, but the young son, young son heroes and heroines, so we just need to you know, as well, the last time the negativity around the health service doesn't help people who want to work in the service. But there's a lot good about the service. You know, there's huge job satisfaction working in the nursing home sector. So, um, but we've got to we've got to always just be on our on our game to make sure that we uh, attract and retain the right the right people. Okay, we leave it there, uh, Ty. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks, uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Good morning to you. That is uh, Ty Daly, CEO of Nursing Homes uh, Ireland. Uh, a listener said nursing homes are not always the best. My mother waited nine and a half hours for an ambulance to take her to a hospital in the southeast in a nursing home. Nursing homes should be looked at for, should be looked into from the caring side. Well, they're under HICWA. They do get HICWA inspections. But I'm just wondering if, if your mother was waiting nine and a half hours for an ambulance. I don't know if you can necessarily blame the nursing home for that. If you're waiting for an ambulance, the ambulance gets dispatched from the ambulance base. If the call went through and they waited nine and a half hours, I would be taking that issue up with what was the delay in the ambulance getting uh, to your mother. And Mag said, if all of the hospitals and all of the nursing homes that they've closed down over the years, the smaller, the community hospitals, if all of them were opened, we wouldn't be having any of the problems we're talking about today, says at Mags. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Yesterday saw the release of this year's John Lewis Christmas ad, which is always one of the most anticipated adverts of the festive season, entitled The Boy and the Piano. The ad looks back on the life and career of Elton John with his famous hit song, 
your song providing the soundtrack. It's absolutely fabulous. And right in the middle of it is one of our own, Molly Ward from Mallow, who is a young dancer based in London. And I'm delighted to say Molly joins uh, us uh, today. Uh, Good morning to you, Molly. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. Now, what a buzz for you. Did you watch it many times yesterday? Um, You know what? I didn't actually get a chance to watch it too many times. I was in rehearsals all day for um, the Everyman Panto I'm doing at the moment in Cork, Cinderella. So I didn't have much time. I was being called in and out of rehearsals um, to check my phone for all these messages of support and people getting on to me for interviews and stuff. It's been absolutely crazy, but it's just been amazing. I've been loving it. Yeah. Now, okay, take me back to uh, when was it filmed? By the way, how long ago was it filmed? Um, it was filmed during the summer. Okay, so it was the the end of August we filmed. So it was actually quite strange, um, being a Christmas themed ad, obviously, um, and it was the middle of summer. So yeah. Um, and then you almost forget about it, don't you? And then suddenly, whoa, it's yeah. here. Okay, so exactly. T- so, so take me back. How did you get the part? Um, it was a process of audition. So basically, my agent sent me to um, an audition, and I didn't know what it was for. My agent didn't know it was called Project X, and they kept it very secret. Um, and it wasn't until I got the job and I was actually filming for it did I know what it was for. It wasn't until we got the contract through. So they kept it um, called Project X the whole time to keep it secret. And at the audition, what did they ask you to do? We just went in um, in groups of five and they just asked us to like freestyle, 60s style dancing um, and a bit of acting improv. It was all improvisation just in front of a camera and a casting director. Um, yeah, and that was it. So it was a very <laughs> and quick audition. The, and then you get the call to say you have it. Yeah, it was, um, I think it was another maybe two weeks later I got a call and I had to be in for a fitting, costume fitting. And then the next day I was filming. So it was all very, like, quick and didn't even, you know, have time to process it all. And you're wearing a sort of a little mini, a very 60s style outfit. Yes. little jumper yeah. and a little mini skirt. Yeah, it was. It was one of those um, pleated kind of <laughs> skirts. To, yeah, and it was very old style and it just reminded me of my nana. <laughs> so it was, I loved it. <laughs> and your hair, I loved the way they did your hair. It was very I 60s. Know, I know, I was saying to the team, they had a great team of hair and makeup there on the day, and I was saying to them, I'd love to be able to do my hair like this myself, but I don't know if I'd be getting some looks. It was it was definitely the beehive kind of style yeah. and the flick out at the, at the end of my hair, but it was, it was gorgeous, I loved it. Yeah. And the scene you're in is, it's meant to be Elton John, I'm at home at a Christmas party, is it? Yeah, so what they kind of told us was um, we were in like a pub and we were, it was like we were after a, a full week um, of work and we were trying to relax and just enjoy the music and have a few drinks and yeah, enjoy that. Oh, it's meant to be in a pub. Okay, and Elton gets up yeah. and belts out a few tunes. Okay, all right. Yeah, and you're exactly. there, standing by the piano and you start dancing with uh, an older man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Enjoying it, yeah. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's, it is terrific. So you found out then on the day that this is the John mm-hmm. Lewis ad and did, yeah. did they tell you the full storyline of the ad at that stage? They didn't. No. No, no. It was very secretive. Even, even so much as they put um, stickers over our cameras on our camera phones and 
everything was we had to sign um confidentiality waivers they didn't mention anything about elton john but you know i put two and two together <laughs> like the guy that was sitting next to me playing he was a young boy from scotland and he was um he was a, an amazing pianist and musician and he looked so much like elton john and they had prosthetics on him and the way the way they dressed him and everything it was very obvious that it was going to be about elton john the whole ad so we kind of had to piece it all together ourselves, but they didn't tell us much. They didn't give much away. So, so. therefore, you've answered my next question. Was Elton John oh. around on the day? No. Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't meet him. I know I was gutted. But, um, I mean, it's still incredible to like be in something with that his name is attached to and involved with. So I'm delighted. And that he got paid five million for. But I saw so last I night he donated it to yeah. charity. Oh, did he? He did, oh, yeah. Saw that. that online oh, last night. Yeah, he's a good oh, guy. That's, well, he's a good guy. He's good because I, t- yeah. I take it you got nothing like five million for the. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Close wish, enough. Yeah. <laughs> How your 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 dad Eddie is is a, a fine singer. Was he in? Was he impressed that it was an Elton John inspired ad? Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. I think my whole family are just over the moon and friends and aunts and uncles and everything they're all going crazy and like with support and it's just been fabulous for me I didn't expect the reaction I've I've kind of gotten um because I I didn't see the ad until it was released yesterday morning um so I didn't know how much I would be seen or if I would be seen at all they they had seven days of filming for this ad and I was only in one day so I I wasn't even sure if I would be seen so it's just been Amazing, really. I've, and yeah. you are clearly seen, which is which is which yeah. is terrific, and such a buzz to know somebody yeah. in it. Go, oh my God, there she is! It's, <laughs> it's really clear. It's yeah. it's it it yeah. is. Uh, and we don't know when it actually gets televised. Um. So it was on last night. Oh, on was it? ITV. Okay. Yeah, on ITV. But I'm not sure about Irish channels now. But it was on a, on ITV, ITV. at nine fifteen last night. I caught the end of it. I, I nearly missed it. I caught the end of it on the telly last night, um, just after rehearsals. And yeah, so it was, yeah, but sure. You know, I have it on my phone now, so that's all that matters. Yeah, and it'll run It'll run between now and Christmas, but then it becomes yeah. the iconic John Lewis ad for 2018. Yeah. I mean, because you can go yeah, online exactly. and look back on all of the ads I over know. the years, so it's it's there forevermore. Yeah. You're home for Christmas rehearsing, as you I say, am. at the Everyman uh, Panto for yeah. Cinderella. How's it going? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going great. Um, we're on week two of rehearsals now, near near the end of week two. Um, we're flying it. We're really getting there and things are shaping up really nicely. So I think it is going to be a great show. Do you love yeah. Panto? I love Panto. It's one of my favourite kind of performances to do. It's it's For me, it's always reminded me of Christmas because I've grown up in Pantos my whole life. So to do it, to come back to Cork now and do it as a professional, it's just amazing. And and I just love the fact you can be so over the top and dramatic and it's and that's the way it's supposed to be. So it's it's great. I love performing in pantos. Well done, well done. And what's on the cards for twenty nineteen? Oh, who knows? Back to London, um, back to auditions, back to square one really. Yeah. So the life of a performer, I think. It's tough. That's a tough it's a tough life, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's all right. You yeah. don't mind it when 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 it's what you love. You know yeah. what I mean. 
And you will get that break. You will get that yeah, break. You're, you're well on. You're well on the road. Listen, uh, we really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us. We look forward to seeing you yeah, in Cinderella, in the Everyman, yeah. and obviously we look forward to seeing you every time the John Lewis Christmas ad comes on. Yeah. But thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Molly Ward uh, from Mallow. You're listening to Cork today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And Jenny says, Patricia, don't let the day pass without mentioning and uh, reminding people of the passing yesterday of the wonderful Sonny Knowles show band, cabaret singer and musician who was popular, would you believe, for six decades. He died yesterday morning uh, surrounded by his uh, family at the age of uh, 86. He was born November 2nd, so he just had his 86th birthday in 1932 in the Liberties in Dublin. He began playing the clarinet and the saxophone at the Dublin School of Music. He actually then went on to train as a tailor before deciding to mm, give up the stitching. I'm going to become a professional musician. He joined the Johnny Butler Band. That was in 1952. And in the 50s was the was a clarinet and a sax player in bands. He worked with the likes of the Earl Gill Show Band playing sax, also singing with them. And he also earned equal billing with Leeds singer Sean Fagan. He was also with the Pacific show band. They broke up in 1968 uh, and he then went on and joined the Dermot O'Brien Club Men. Sonny Knowles then went solo at the peak of his cabaret career. He recorded eight albums, would you believe, and they continued to sell right into the mid-1990s. He also performed regularly with orchestras and toured extensively in America and in uh, Europe. And Sonny Knowles is survived by his wife, Sheila and his uh, children, Ashleen, Geraldine and uh, Gary, and uh, deepest sympathies uh, to them. But much loved Sonny Knowles, we remember him. Don't let the day go. He passed away uh, yesterday. May he rest in peace. And thank you, Jenny, for reminding me of that. 1850 333 103. We've had a WhatsApp in. Let me get this... um, sorted straight away for this listener saying I tried to ring but the number was engaged sorry the phones have been quite busy this morning with John Paul uh, I keep getting this number ringing me they're saying they're from AIR uh, and they're, well, they only want my credit card details I've checked it with AIR and it is a scam they are threatening to turn off my internet would you let other people know that uh, this is doing the rounds and the number coming up on the phone I, I, does it look like it's a Dublin number because it's 8548 259 8548259 but just to let people know that there are those scam artists are out there and they're quite convincing by all accounts letting on there from air saying you know there's something gone wrong with your bill payment we didn't receive the payment if you don't pay us now if you don't give us a credit card the detail to take out the however much your bill is, your internet's going to get turned off and people are in fear of losing their internet, particularly if you're in a household where you you're streaming your TV with your internet when the internet goes that means your TV goes as well so people have become very reliant on the internet so I can see why they're using that to try to get through to people they're just trying to scare people and saying God I better pay up quick I don't want to lose the internet so just be careful that those calls are out and about and they are still being made and if for my listener 
So, Sai Patricia, I'm just wondering, have you any update on the letters that the Department of Social Protection are due to due to send out at the end of October? This is to do with the pension changes that came in for old age pensioners back in 2012. I thought I would be getting one of those letters, or am I unlucky again, says a Formoy listener. Now, the Department of Social Protection tell us that 67,000 pensioners are going to be written to. They do say they started sending the letters, the letters out in late October. I can't can't unfortunately now um, maybe if I'll try this afternoon but certainly while on the programme I can't do the necessary research to find out how many of them are they sending out on a daily or a weekly basis how many have they sent out how many have still to be sent out but they said they were sending them out from the end of October be interested did anybody get a letter from the Department of Social Protection be just be interested to see are they doing it regionally has anybody in this area anybody across Cork City or County received a letter from the Department of Social Protection telling you about changes to the new state pen- to, to the state pension. The new system that's going to come in is going to be known as the Total Contribution Approach. Now this is going to be rolled out fully in 2020. However, the 67,000 pensioners have been written to who have the option to move to the system early next year because it does mean that for a majority of people they will see an increase between €20 and €40 per week. But some, I'm told, may actually uh, not see an increase. The majority will there will be a small number I think that could actually lose out by going over to this total contribution approach but I'm sure were we not told at the time that if a pensioner didn't qualify for the increased rate and they were actually going to lose that they could remain on the existing rate that they're already getting I'm I'm sure that's buried somewhere in all of the information anyway we have marked it in our diary for next week and we're going to get on to somebody like Age Action because we've been doing this story with Age Action certainly since 2012 when the changes were first introduced and Joan Burton I think will be remembered forevermore for introducing these changes to the way people received their contributory state pension and because of that a number of people were down averaged about 30 euro a week and in the main the people that were down were women and they were women it was men as well but the majority were women and it was women who stayed at home to raise a family who took time out maybe to look after elderly parents and they had a gap then in their contributions and when I went to calculate how much do they have for their state pension, it turned out they didn't have enough. So anyway, there was a big campaign, big, big campaign to get this changed because it just seemed darn mean-spirited. So they've come up with this new idea of total contribution approach instead. As they say, it's going to be rolled out for in 2020. Uh, so people who are at work at the moment won't have to worry about it when well, hopefully by the time you get to retirement it'll be well in place. But it's those 67,000 people who retired since 2012 who have been affected by these changes. So just let us know if you did get one of those letters, please. Jim, thank you, Jim. Jim says, I got one of those letters read the pension yesterday. Okay. Because what I'm trying to find out, I don't know are they doing it regionally sending out the letters are they doing it alphabetically maybe because it'll be it'll be computer will generate the letters let's be honest and spit them out into an envelope and then they'll they'll be sent off for the 67,000 obviously all didn't go in one bunch together at the end of October so the fact that Jim got his yesterday we now know that 
they are still sending them out. So they're not all out uh, yet. Richard Amalo says, I got one of those letters this morning. They are looking into the pension from anyone, anybody born from September 1946 and afterwards. And it did state that my pension won't go down, but it uh, will either go up or it'll stay the same and they'll write to me in the future. So, yeah, fingers crossed. You might get a bit of a, a bump. You might get a bit of an increase, Richard. Anna in the city says they are getting back to Anna. They are rechecking and they're going to get back to her. They say also that she won't lose any money, but they'll let me know the situation uh, later. So we don't know whether Anna in the city is going to lose or not. Mary in Bishopstown uh, got her letter also yesterday. But the the age seems to be or the date of birth, what's applicable. It's anybody born after September 1946. If you were born before that, I think you're 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 not going to get the increase, which because I know we had that checked when the decision was made to reverse what they did in 2012. I know one of our listeners who had been who we'd been speaking with about it said she just missed out. I think she was born earlier that year in 1946. So September 1946 is the relevant date. Anybody born after that for the date of birth. As I say, we will put a call through to somebody like Age Action. They're usually really up to speed, really experts on this. And we'll see if we can find out a little bit more information about that. But it will be next week by the time we uh, get uh, to uh, it. OK, we were talking about nursing homes on the programme today. A listener says, what new solutions do ministers or the HSC need? Nursing home costs are crippling families. Many women stayed home in the past to mind the elderly and would still do so if pension payments weren't compromised as they are now, despite what the Department of Social Welfare say. Some women are doing poorly are doing poorly paid work. They're barely paying their travel uh, costs to and from work, but they're doing it. Why? Just to make the PRSI pension contributions for old age. So there are other reasons why people are forced out to work. And a little bit like what I said earlier as well, there are also people who would love the idea of staying at home and looking after an elderly father or mother or grandparent but they're trapped in a job because they need the money coming in every week, every month in order to pay the mortgage, in order to pay for the expense of children, whatever it is. You know, so the people work not always because they love the job. It's wonderful if you if you love doing a job. But for many people, they're working out of, out of necessity. And it was, and I think it's still, and it was. And I thought it was good to even hear Ty Daly of Nursing Home Ireland's and a lot of other people have been critical as well of the health officials that came out and cited one of the reasons was working families. And it's unfair. It's unfair, I think, to put that kind of guilt onto working families because you will have people who would love to be looking after a loved one at home and they're already feeling guilty because they can't do it. And then to hear some health official come out and point the finger of blame at people who are out at work saying you're the reason that your mother, your father, 
your your grandparent, whatever, are these so-called bed blockers. You're, today, did discharges, they're holding up the hospital because you went to work and instead won't become a full-time carer. It isn't always as simple as that. 1850 333 103. Uh, Tim says, um, I heard the repeat of your programme last night. I did not know about oh this is the the 28th anniversary I remember the early years from Bandon as I was working in Clonakilty at the time some 28 years ago there's been changes over the years everywhere but your programme has become the most established in the south thank you John Hannan who you spoke with yesterday said it all I think there is a movement also on the cataract situation uh, says uh, Tim oh we must look into that if, if there is I know there's a bus going this weekend there's a cataract bus going out of West Cork again this weekend we must I don't know how many at this stage have travelled up on that bus that has been most successful we shouldn't I mean we shouldn't be in the situation where we are sending our elderly people on a very long arduous bus journey some of them are fish hail and hearty and I know we've spoken with some of them who enjoyed the road trip and said that they had a great time uh, heading up north but for others it's a, you know it's, it, it's a journey I actually made uh, I drove up north for the first time ever during the summer when we went on a, a family reunion staying um, in the just outside of Derry in a place called Muff and it's a long journey and we I did it with family members and we had a, you know we had a bit of a laugh along the way and we did stops because we had small children but it's a long journey and it did strike me actually as I was making that journey I did think about the people on the cataract bus who were travelling even further because they were going all the way to Belfast I was going as far as Derry and they're coming from you know the, the very tip down the bottom of West Cork and people coming from Kerry and that's you know it's a long long journey for them and, and also you'd be anxious wouldn't you because you're going up to have a procedure done and you know we're very confident in the surgeons and the work that they're doing at this hospital in Belfast but you know anytime you go in for a procedure no matter how confident you feel if there's, there's a, there is a level of nerves uh, about it and I think anything to do with the eye would make me even more nervous so and then we add to that by putting them on a bus and then they stay overnight and then they've got to come back on the bus again it's, it's certainly not ideal uh, why we can't be I mean the suggestion that's often been made the two fantastic facilities that we have in the county Mallow Hospital and Bantry Hospital why can't we be setting up um, ophthalmology services in some of those smaller hospitals and start bringing ophthalmologists in and start doing the cataract operations because of all of the procedures it seems to be a very quick procedure it's you know you're not you're not knocked out you don't need to stay in hospital I think it's about a half an hour the actual procedure takes now I know there's all different things have to be done and blood pressure checked and bloods and the you know there's all the other um bits and bobs and procedures that you have to do when you're admitting somebody for any kind of a, a hospital stay or a hospital uh, procedure I accept that those jobs have to be done as well but the actual procedure itself doesn't take long we really need to be coming up with a solution the solution is not putting people on a bus and sending them up to Belfast why we welcome the fact that it's been done because it certainly has given people back a lot of sight one of the other things we worry about with Brexit and we have mentioned that before how we worry about what will happen if there is a hard Brexit and we lose that facility of uh, going north Uh, thank you Mary to say my husband and I both got one of those letters that you're talking about about our old age pension it said the pension won't be decreased but it will either remain the same or 
happy days if we get an increase. It'll be backdated as well if there's uh, an increase and it will all be done and dusted by March of 2019. So there will be a number of the 67,000 people who are being written to because there will be, I think a high percentage of them, I have to say, are going to end up receiving the extra money every week but also going to be entitled to, to the back payment. So there'll be a nice little bit of savings, kind of a nest egg. It'll always be like a win, won't it, uh, when they receive that back payment uh, early in the new year. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs With Jobs Expo Cork Coming to Parky Cueve on November 17th Your bright new career begins here Register at jobsexpo.ie A manager is required to manage a minibus slash taxi company that's in the Cork City area and our partnership would be considered. Skibbereen Credit Union, they've got vacancies for a member services officer and a clerical officer and Weldon Electrical are looking for electricians, supervisors and apprentices at all levels for a variety of projects across Cork City and County. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now a new report recommends capping the interest rates which money lenders can charge of which some rates can be up to 200%. The report by UCC was funded by the Social Finance Foundation and joining me, their CEO, that is Brendan Whelan. Good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning, Patricia. Um, you are welcome. Do other EU countries have some form of interest rate regulation when it comes to money lenders? do indeed. Um, UCC would have identified that out of the 28 EU countries, 21 of them had some form of interest rate restriction. Some of them where in respect of even traditional banking-type products like instalment loans or mortgages and whatever, but probably a majority of them were probably associated with home credit and payday lending. And legally in this country, money lenders uh, can they charge whatever they like when it comes to interest? Um, well, first of all, just to say there's two types of money lending. There's the illegal money lending, which is really a matter for Gardaí and, and, and it's a crime and so forth. So what we're looking at is licensed money lenders, which are organisations which have to go to the central bank every uh, year and op- obtain a, a license. So the central bank uh, would look at the application from the money lender and, and determine what uh, rate uh, is appropriate to, to let them to operate with. OK, and how many people borrow from these money lenders? You're looking that I think the latest uh, figures we had were something in the region of about 330,000 people would be customers of money lending firms. Now, I should probably say uh, quickly, Patricia, that there's probably two types, two, two main categories of, of money lending organizations. One is the catalog companies, where your typical interest rates are probably more like, you know, lower. They're more like 40 to 70 percent, still extremely high, but very low. And the home credit, which is the one probably most people associate with, which is uh, people who come to your door and give you the loan and they'll come to your door every week to get the repayments on the loan. So they would be the, uh, the organizations that typically could be up to um, 180 percent interest rates. And if you add in collection charges and stuff like that, sometimes it could be near enough to 280 percent. Do you think that the people who borrow have any idea of how much this? 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How high those interest rates are. I mean, I'm assuming this isn't yeah. something that's discussed with them when they come to collect the money every week. Um, I think they do, but uh, I think they tend to see it not so much in uh, terms of interest rates, but probably more in terms of how much is it costing me weekly. So, for example, a typical uh, money lending loan would be around €500. And if you borrow that for, um, say, six months, um, the difference in your weekly payment is only a fiver. So for the convenience and a whole range of other reasons, people will be saying, ah, it's only a fiver. But of course, if you do that for 52 weeks in the year, you're really talking about €260 in excess interest that you've paid over and above what you would have paid had you been in the credit union. You know, but people don't see the 260 What they tend to see is the fiver. Five, sure, a, f- a fiver is nothing. And it is that ease of borrowing, isn't it, with the, the home collection of the repayments? It, it is indeed, yeah. yeah. I think it, I mean, there's been customer surveys done and, and certainly, you know, you don't have to, you know, trips down the, to, the road to, to the credit union to pay it every week and so forth. And equally, when you're getting it, there's a strong sense that I know I'll get it from the um, money lender. Um, the credit union may not know me and so forth and there might be a doubt as to whether I get the money there as well, you know. And I, I'm shocked at the figure of 330,000 people. I, I wouldn't have thought that there was that many people. Yeah. Um, the, you were talking about people on low incomes. Yeah. Uh, the typical profile um, is people in the, in the lower socioeconomic spectrum uh, a majority being female and a typical age group in the you know thirty five to forty five will this be a busy time of the year for money lenders because families are going to come under pressure coming up to christmas oh indeed uh probably the two biggest periods uh are coming up to Christmas and back to school. They'd be the two biggest. And then the other reasons for borrowing would typically be, you know, emergencies, uh, breakdown of maybe, say, a washing machine, a funeral, uh, those type of things where the money's needed pretty quickly. Do people, Brendan, get trapped into a cycle of borrowing? They do indeed. There's been a lot of research done on that. Um, a, a very big study around about four years ago in the UK said that 52% of people uh, who are 
uh, customers of money lending firms said they feel trapped in sort of perpetual debt. Uh, the equivalent figure in Ireland was uh, taken in a study some years ago was was less, but I I, I just wonder why there's uh, it wouldn't have been more like the UK given given the size. So I think one of the things we'll be uh, suggesting as part of uh, considering implementing IRR is, is to get more information um, from uh, those 330,000 customers as to, as to how uh, money lending affects them in their day-to-day lives. And your your report highly recommends uh, the credit unions as an alternative to these oh, yeah, money lenders. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if we go back uh, even before our time, I suspect, uh, I mean, the, the credit union movement was set up in the 1950s to address the whole issue of financial exclusion, and in particular the the, the, the credit side where people needed small loans. So, um, you know, it's ironic that having set up the credit union movement um, back in the 50s to address this issue, uh, and we've probably got the best credit union movement in the world, uh, we've, we've also got this very thriving uh, money lending industry in Ireland. Yeah, which is... Uh, and I know um, on this issue of putting some kind of a cap on the interest rates. Yeah, the Department yeah. of Finance say there is no cap on legal money lendings because they fear it will put them out of business and that the void would be filled by illegal operators. Do, do they have a point? Um, I think they, they, they're they right to have the concern. I think that's that's a valid concern for anyone to have. The Department of Finance, Central Bank, I think are both in that camp. Um, but I, I, the, the research report that was produced looked into that issue and uh, you know, for example, about four years ago, payday lending in the UK, the uh, cap was put on that. Uh, you, you probably know the uh, one of the brands, Wonga, uh, yeah. those, those type of organisations. So they were a cap was put on top of them, and there was research done a few years later to determine, you know, where did people go when Wonga uh, didn't give out the loans anymore? Yeah. And it, it turned out that the, um, you know, there were, there were a number of options. Like uh, if you, you forgo, you you forwent the. the um, the the item. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You went to friends and family, um, and the the conclusion was that uh, the incidence of people going to money lend illegal money lenders was uh, that they saw no great evidence that that has actually happened. You know, so it may be a concern. It's a very justifiable concern, but it may it, it may not be overly material. But again, we need to look into that and check that out. Uh, you know, before you could make a, a, a decision on, on introducing IRs. And in the meantime, anyone listening considering going to a money lender or considering topping up yeah. their loan for Christmas, yeah. you would say, go talk to your local friendly credit union. I, yes, I certainly would. And, you know, I think if the credit union assess someone for a loan, because every lender has to assess the, 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 both the willingness and the ability of the borrower to pay it back. Uh, I think if you pass both willingness and ability, um, you really should go to your local credit union. That's what they were set up to do many years ago. Okay. All right, uh, Brendan, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Good report, by the way. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Good morning to you. Brendan Whelan there, who is the CEO of the Social Finance uh, Foundation. And that really was um, um, a great report, which was conducted by our own, actually, was the the commissioned UCC uh, to take a look at the levels of interest rates that are charged by uh, money lenders. And it really is jaw dropping when you look at some of the figures. And I think, you know, even that small example that Brendan used, somebody borrowing uh, 500 euro, not realising that they're going to win 
end up paying back they'll pay back the 500 euro but they'll pay back 260 euro on top of it just because they're only paying back a five, 5 euro a week extra they don't think uh, it all nuns up and how much they're actually going to pay whereas if they could get into the habit of saving with a credit union and borrowing with a credit union and going to the credit union every week um, much less um, uh, much better value certainly for money uh, 1850-333-103 and on the pensions and the letters coming out from the Department of Social Protection Mike from Allo rang to say his wife received a letter yesterday from the Department of Social Protection having read it Mike said no action needs to be taken as it, take, as it states they will contact you again if they need any further information otherwise they're going to write again in March of next year to tell people uh, if their pensions are to be increased or not so that seems to be the thrust of the letter they're not looking for any information at this stage they're just writing to the 67,000 that they believe 67,000 that they believe have been affected by the changes that came into the state pension in 2012 but no action uh, needed that's good to hear 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 This is the Court today replay on C103 now, my next guest this morning was only a primary school pupil when we first featured him on the programme as a young boy soprano. We knew then that Eamon Walsh from Mitchellstown had a great talent and would have a future in music. He's currently a student at Maynooth University and he's also busy planning for a Christmas concert at the end of the month at the Fergroff Hotel in Mitchellstown. I'm delighted to say Eamon Walsh joins me in studio. Good morning to you. Morning. And you, you are very uh, welcome. We spoke this time last year in advance of another concert yes. uh, you were doing. How yeah. did that go for you last Brilliant. year? Brilliant. It was absolutely fantastic. It was such a huge success. Um, it went so well and had a great response to it afterwards. And yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's sold out. It sold 500 tickets for it last year and raised 6,000 euro for the two charities last year. Uh, Liam's Lifts and the um, CUH Breast Care Unit. That's really good. So, and this year you're going for who? For yeah, the charities? So the, we're sticking with Liam's Lifts for one half of the charities. It's just, it's, they're such an important kind of local organisation, you know, um, and then the other um, charity is the um, Leukaemia Award in, in the Mercy, the Mercy Hospital, Children's okay. Leukaemia Award in Mercy Hospital. Okay. And Leams Lifts, just to remind people uh, from outside of the area, mm-hmm. they bring people up and down to the hospital yeah. for cancer treatment. Yeah, volunteer taxi service yeah, for, they're, they're for cancer patients. They exactly. really are great. They're just, yeah. they're, they're, yeah. They're, they're, we they're all fantastic. know someone who, who, who avails of the service or mm. unfortunately might have to in the future. Yeah. So. Now, this time last year when we, when we sat down to talk, you were, you were prepping for the leaving search. I was. It all went okay? It all went okay yeah it was grand um it went very well um studied hard and whatnot and I kind of wanted to do my best in that you know because I didn't know whether to do music or science okay. and I kind of said you know what now they're two different I know, <laughs> I know. yeah so eventually I just said I'd, I'd go with my heart and I, and I picked the music but you know just in case I decided last minute I wanted to do the science I still wanted to get get enough points for it you know Okay so you got into Maynooth I did Great yeah. great university yeah. and I saw online you won a scholarship I How'd did you, how yeah, did that come music about? scholarship so basically for the music course in Maynooth you have to do a separate test and audition so that's held kind of two months before the leave insert itself and basically whoever gets the highest marks in, in those two exams gets the music scholarship, the entrance scholarship. So I was I was absolutely And it's an inaugural scholarship, isn't it? So yeah. you've, you've set the benchmark. Yeah, it was the first one. And did you yeah. have to perform as part of yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So the audition required obviously um uh, an unaccompanied singing 
uh, a piece and an, an interview as well. So okay, what yeah. did you sing? Um, what did I sing? A Schubert song. Is it? Yeah, okay, Schubert. well you were allowed to pick your own. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so so you got yeah. I could mm. And when when did that happen? Was that after the leaving? Search no, that or? was before the leaving. Search. Oh. So that was. April or May, and at that they stage, they don't make it easy for no, people, do they? No, no, definitely not. At that stage, I was I was mad studying and stuff as well. So by the time, by the time that came around, I was kind of just flustered. But you know, it went very well. Yeah, you went. And then when did you hear you you got the scholarship? Uh, just there before the a week before the leave and start results came out, they rang me and they said, "Look, um, you're after getting the entrance scholarship." Okay, and, well done. Um, I was absolutely delighted. Like you know. So college started when end of September. Uh, end of September, the twenty yeah. fourth of September, I think was the first week. Manu kind of started a bit later. Okay. And then as part of the um, degree, the music degree, you have to sing as part of an ensemble. So they have the chamber choir in Minute and you have to audition for that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of their well-renowned. They won choir the year last year. Yeah. And um, I was lucky to get into that this year. So it's under the under Rory O'Dalik is his name. And uh, it's a very well-renowned choir. So, so you've got that going on while mm. you're while you're studying mm. and then college life itself. Yeah. Is that fun? Oh, I love it. I <laughs> love it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's intense. The, the course itself there's a lot of hours and I have five hours a week of the chamber choir as well so that's all on top of everything but I love it so far yeah, yeah. and it's, it's it's your passion yeah and it's I get to do I can do German then first year we get to pick another subject um, as, with music so I'm doing German So was that something you, you shun at in school yeah I love it I love yeah. German yeah I love yeah. the language okay well done okay and musically uh, mm. Eamon what have you been up to uh, throughout the year I mean, I obviously the Christmas concert last year, and apart from that, I didn't do much. Obviously, in preparation the exams, for the leaving yeah. cert, um, and then it's kind of just building up to this concert again this year. So yeah. I'm having my concert again on the thirtieth of November in the Fergus Hotel. Um, kind of same idea as last year, obviously for the, for the two charities again. Who's performing with you? Uh, well, I have myself, obviously, and yeah. um, the members of the Belcanto Choir. Now, unfortunately, um, their conductor, Audrey Robinson, won't be there. Uh, congratulations to her. She's just after giving birth. Oh, well done. Uh, and congratulations. Yeah, um, but I have, I'm kind of, kind of conducting them this year. So, okay. so that's another new experience for me. Um, but it's great. They're going great so far. And uh, so I have the members of the Because that takes a, that takes a rehearsing oh, yeah. and a lot of rehearsal, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, so I come down from Minute every weekend and rehearse two days a week with okay. them as well. And then I have a few more special guests, you know, um, obviously doing music all my life. I'm surrounded by extremely talented people. So to be able to have them to sing a few songs as well is, is brilliant. And it's very much a Christmas themed mm. night yeah. isn't it yeah. Yeah. kind of Christmas carols classical favourites and then a bit of a bit of modern ones as well, as well one or yeah. two modern ones yeah. as well so, something for everyone because like. I remember last year saying to people uh, that I always encourage if, if particularly every now and again people can't get into the Christmas spirit for mm. whatever reason maybe they're having busy lives yeah. or something's happened in their life mm. that year and I'm always saying go to a night like what you were you were and actually the following Monday after your gig um, we had an email in from a woman who said she went and she'd been having a really really rough year I think she'd lost a family member Mm -hmm. and she said the last thing she wanted to do Mm -hmm. was look forward to Christmas and she said your concert gave her the Christmas such peace and the Christmas spirit and it it was great it was was really lovely so um, and that's that's what it's all about where Mm. are tickets on sale? Tickets are on sale in four outlets in Mitchell Sound the Treasure Chest Diva Highlands Bookshop and The Favourite Okay, so, so you can get your tickets and, there. And buy them in plenty of time because they yes, do sell they are quick. selling extremely well yeah. at the moment. Thank God. Okay, which, which, uh, so which thank you driven. to everyone for that. And, and Eamon, what is the dream for, for you the at, the, at the end? Is it a recording contract? Is it? Um, 
I mean, that's the thing with music is that you never know where really where you're going to go. Um, but I suppose uh, after my this first degree, I'll probably do a master's in performance, hopefully. Uh, performance or conducting, I love conducting as well. Um, kind of dabbling at a, bit, at a bit of that. Um, is that something new that you've come it to? It is, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I've sang with choirs um, all, you know, growing up and stuff. Um, but to be at the other side of it then is a different story. But it's great. It kind of feels a bit powerful or something. You yeah, know what I mean? But yeah. it's brilliant. Um, so maybe I think performing, though, is, is my real my real passion in music, you know, because obviously there's different aspects to music, but I love the performance side of it. Uh, who musically influences you? Mm, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I suppose, um, classically, you can't go wrong with a bit of Andrea Bocelli. Yeah. Um, just because I think he kind of hits every benchmark, you know, he he gets the pop side of it as well as the classical side. He's after bringing out a new album now in the in the last month or a couple of months ago, and he has Dua Lipa on it, and she's obviously a pop artist. And yeah. it's just the way he can kind of you know, he can hit every every mark. And he makes it accessible to Yeah, all. exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I like that. I yeah. like that. And then pop pop wise are you? Pop wise you oh, and Ned I don't know. Sheeran fan I mean, or anything like that? I love indie music. Um, oh, indie, okay. Yeah, having independence obviously at my doorstep and Mitchell yeah. Sound is a big is a big thing as well. Hudson Taylor are a great Irish Irish duo. Okay. I love them. Um Codeline are brilliant as well. Yeah, So great. I love a bit of I love a bit of indie rock, indie pop as well. Well, yeah. well done. Okay, and you brought your keyboard, your fabulous keyboard with you. Mm-hmm. And John Paul is back with us in the studio. If you make your way over there, yeah. uh Eamon, you uh Eamon is going to, to say what do you sing? Yeah, I'm gonna sing Ave Maria. Oh yeah. goodness <laughs> me. He nails it every time with the song. And this is not set up because last year was a holy night, which is one of my favourite songs, and one of my all time favourite songs is the Ave Maria. So this is going to be a re- real treat. Um this is Eamon we're getting a seat in uh, ready this is Eamon Walsh and do I have the details of the um, I don't but I will get them it's Friday the 30th of November which is is two weeks time isn't it two weeks today yeah uh, is the concert in the Fergrove uh, Hotel and tickets available locally okay uh, Eamon Walsh from Mitchestown and his version of the Ave Maria
pop over this very quickly Stan but that's fantastic that's just I got transported there I just I love that song inside in the church course, yeah. and when I hear that inside in the church it just makes me cry it's, <laughs> it's just it is fabulous okay just once again remind us where the tickets are on sale tickets are on sale in the treasure chest okay. Diva uh, Highlands Bookshop and the favourite in Mitchellstown. Okay. Yeah. All right. Best of luck uh, with us. Keep in contact with us, Eamon. Uh, have a good year and Thank don't you. leave it as long to come back to join <laughs> us again. <laughs> You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We've been asked to wish the Moorn Abbey ladies the best of luck uh, in Sunday there in the All-Ireland semi-final in Galway. So the best of luck to the Moorn Abbey uh, ladies. Yesterday we had that wonderful news and it was so fantastic to break it yesterday with uh, Johnny Hannan from Mallow that the Respresia drug, the drug that has completely turned his life around for the alpha-1 genetic form of emphysemia that he suffers from, that he will now have it for life and that the battle has ended for him, thank God, and he can now just go on to continue to live the rest of his life knowing that this drug is allowing him to live and uh, giving him a fantastic quality of uh, life. And we celebrated with him and it was lovely to do it and he was very conscious in remembering the two patients who's, who had died when they had to come off the Respresia because the clinical trial had ended. And in particular, he spoke about Marion Kelly, who was a 53-year-old mum from Nina in County Tipperary. And actually, I see in the papers today, there's just gorgeous photographs of Marion Kelly and all of her family have come out uh, saying that while it was a terrific day yesterday, Obviously, it's a very bitter, sweet moment for them because they've lost their much loved mother and wife and sister and aunt, but that they're absolutely thrilled for everybody else. And, uh, you know, they speaking in the papers, they, they talk about how they how she was devastated after the drug trial ended because she knew that the difference that this drug Respresi had made to her life. And then she, along with Johnny Hannon and the others, started the campaign to try to get the HSE to fund it. And it's just coming up to the first anniversary of marrying Kelly's uh, death but the family are absolutely thrilled that now the other 19 patients will benefit but they're not also they're not forgetting the other 40 there are 40 patients who have alpha 1 who have this genetic form of emphysemia but they were not part of the compassionate use program so they haven't benefited from the treatment and I know the Alpha One Foundation say that for those uh, patients the wait continues until a resubmission by the makers of Respezia CSL bearing is made to the National Centre of Pharmaeconomics for full reimbursement so the fight will go on for them obviously for Johnny and the others it's it's the end of a battle that has been going on for about uh, three years but it, that also must be very difficult for the patients and the families of the patients, that other 40, because it's like it isn't it isn't a very common condition, but it must be difficult for them knowing that there is a drug available that can make a difference, that can keep them alive and not just keep them alive, but give them a good quality of life while they're alive and that they can't get access to it because of cost. It must be just so, so uh, difficult for them. 
Uh, anyway, we'll keep a close eye. But once again, we, you know, we celebrate with Johnny Hannan and, and a nicer man. You could not meet him. And we really were thrilled. And it was only actually yesterday when I came off air that I realised it was on the 28th anniversary of my first day doing the show. I was saying, what, what a great anniversary present. We were talking about what a great Christmas present it was as well. And let's stay on the theme of Christmas. Something that my attention was drawn to early in the week. I just didn't get a chance to mention it before. And it's not going to be very PC. I think the PC brigade are not going to be even that happy that I'm mentioning this but I'm going to give it a mention and it's to do with the travelling community and I suppose there's been a lot of talk about the travelling community it started with Peter Casey it started with Peter Casey during his the presidential election and his comments about the travelling community and those houses in Tipperary which still haven't been moved into by the way and the travelling community members who want to move into the house but they'll only move in when there's spaces for their horses and even though I don't think they at the beginning we thought they wanted stables as well but I think they've rolled back on the stables but they certainly want land to graze their horses and they're not going to move in until that's been uh, sorted out and that that led led to the whole discussion about the travelling community and the fact that they have an ethnic status in this country. Peter Casey couldn't understand why they have an ethnic status and I think when you look at the vote that Peter Casey got, a lot of what Peter Casey said, people whether they want to say it publicly or not believed in what he was saying and felt that at times the travelling community seemed to have an unfair advantage over the settled community and this whole thing about should they have been given their own ethnic status because obviously that with it comes uh, privilege and that was the point that certainly Peter Casey felt strongly about and when my attention was drawn to what's going to happen in Rathkeel over Christmas it struck me and as I say this isn't going to be very politically correct but what other other ethnic status in this country needs to have the Gardaí announce that they're going to deploy massive resources to cope with the influx of visiting travellers to Rathkeel over the festive period a policing plan has been put in place which will see armed Gardaí deployed to the town between Christmas and over into the new year and into the start of January. The HSE has confirmed it'll be providing a triage clinic in the town of Rathkeel from the 20th of December to the 4th of January when this influx of visiting travellers are expected. Members of the Garda Divisional Drug Unit will be there. Garda Divisional Dog Unit will be there. Detective units will all have a presence in the town. CCTV cameras will relay live images back to a central control office in Limerick City. A juvenile liaison officer will be based in the town for the period. There will be holiday court sittings will also be provided to the Gardaí if required. And during the festive period, the town's population can swell by about 3,000. Speed ramps have been placed throughout the town of Rathkeel by Limerick City and County Council. That's in an effort to try to curb concerns over road traffic issues. Gardaí say their policing plan is a direct response to concerns raised by the settled local settled people and local traveller population who live all year round in Rathkeel and surrounding areas. The operation is going to target antisocial behaviour, dangerous driving, littering and drug offences. Gardaí will maintain a presence at local schools during pupil drop-off and pick-up times. A Garda personnel carrier will be based in the town on a 24-7 basis over this Christmas period. And the objective is to make sure that every part of the community of Rathkeel 
Whitworth Keel are able to go about their business without being interfered with. And it's just as I say, this we are talking about, this is happening because members of this ethnic minority that Peter Casey was saying, why do they have an ethnic minority status? Members of the travelling community will descend on Rathkeel over the festive uh, season. As I say, my attention was drawn to it earlier in the week with people saying, you know, that's a lot, there's a lot of money, a lot of resources are going to be uh, spent. You know, surely that money could be better spent elsewhere. That's not to say that the Gardaí shouldn't be there because if they weren't there, it looks like it would be utter mayhem and you would have to feel for the people of Rathkeel who have to put up with this influx of what looks like dreadful antisocial behaviour every year by people who just descend on their, ta- on their town uh, for the Christmas and then they take off again and they, you know, they're gone until next year. It must be hell for people who live there. So obviously they will be delighted to hear that the Gardaí are putting so much resources into Rathkeel from December 20th through to January the 4th. But for the HSE to have to provide a triage clinic because obviously there's going to be fights uh, breaking out in a lot of anti-social behaviour. 1850 333 103. John Paul, taking your calls if you want to text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Kilbritton Mockrep, they're hosting a fundraising quiz night. It's for Focus Ireland. It's in Kilbritton Inn and it's on tonight at nine. All are welcome. Castle Lines Home and Garden Centre, they've got a festive gala floral demonstration tonight at eight. It's in the Castle Lines Community Centre. It's in aid of Pieta House and Leams Lifts. For more details or tickets, contact Stephanie 086 3817988. To celebrate the 50th anniversary of the opening of the hall, there'll be a dance at Nakraha Hall tonight from 9pm to 12.30. Music by Dermot and Irene Ring. The last fun table quiz of the Great O'Neill Pub will be held tonight at nine. It begin, It brings the curtain down on 28 years of support for local nun, Sister Mary Dunley and her colleagues in Kenya. There'll be spot prizes, hampers and refreshments will be served. Bandingar, the scent Garden Centre are hosting their annual Christmas fundraising event tonight from 6 to 10pm. There'll be mulled wine, mince pies, raffle, teas and displays for your home and business. Admission €5 and it's aid of Pieta House. Mallow Mochran Affirma, they've got a Hollywood quiz night in aid of the Cope Foundation Curra House tonight in the Arches Bar in Mallow. Starts at half past eight. It's €10 per person. Katie from KT Fitness Mallow will be the MC you please ask to support. And dancing to Larry McAvoy in Theopark Labamalaga tonight proceeds in aid of the hall. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. C103. And taking a look at some of your comments coming into the programme this morning. William in Mallow says hearing a lot in the news lately about the issue of footfall in the city centre, and this I suppose is to do with there's a kind of a suspicion in the city about the ban on Patrick Street with the buses. Some people say it's fantastic. Uh, I think the executives at Cork are 
Cork City Council are saying footfall is actually up, but that's not been reflected at the tills by some of the business owners who feel it's been disastrous, the Panaban, as it is uh, being called. So there's a lot of talk about footfall and whether footfall is up or uh, down. Well, William and Mallow uh, feels that one of the reasons, this is, could only be one of the reasons why he feels there's less people going into the city centre, he said, could it be anything to do with the cost they're charging? And he, for some reason, cites the example of pyjamas. I don't know why. But he said, if you go into one of the large retail stores in the, in the city centre, you could pay up to €30 Euro for a pair of pyjamas. But if you go into some of the discount stores, he cites Little and Aldi, which wouldn't be my first choice to go for a pair of pyjamas. But he says you can get them in there for 6 99 So he's wondering, is it the cost of the prices, what people are charging in some of the shops in the city centre, is that actually putting people off? He said nothing at all to do with car bans, but he said you never hear people talk about cost being an issue as to why people don't shop in the city centre. I mentioned the travelling community and in particular what's happening in Rathkeel over Christmas where they expect uh, 3,000 visiting members of the travelling community to travel, pardon the pun, to Rathkeel. And because of that, there is a policing plan in place, the HSC have a plan in place, and the court services, if needed, will provide uh, holiday sittings if the Gardaí say they need such a thing. John says they should never say that there are going to be extra Gardaí in Rathkeel until the travellers arrive. Let them, arri- let them arrive and then if they're breaking the law, uh, catch them. They did the same last year. But uh, John feels it's only tipping them off and that's not the way to go. And Tom says when the tr- this is to do with traffic wardens. Um, I don't know what town he's talking about, but when traffic wardens are going around checking for parking uh, tickets, they should be able to check for insurance as well. Because Tom says he saw a traffic warden and he was chatting to them and he mentioned to the traffic warden, you should go down there. There's a car parked further down and there's just no car insurance on it. But the, tra- the traffic warden said, I don't have authority to check for car insurance. With the lack of Gardaí available out on the beat, says Tom, Tom says, surely the traffic warden should be allowed to issue tickets to people who don't have up-to-date car insurance. The traffic warden explained to Tom that he can only issue a ticket for parking, illegal parking, or if the parking ticket runs out, and they can also check for motor tax, but they're not allowed to to check for car insurance. Would others agree with Tom that if we have traffic wardens in many of our towns and cities very actively working, some people will say, some people will say too actively working, if you get caught with a parking ticket, should they also be able to check up and see the number of people who are driving around without up-to-date insurance are taxed because we did mention the insurance yesterday on the programme with the news of the guard that you're going to be able to have those handheld devices should they also be given to traffic warden wardens that's the point that Tom is making 1850-333-103 we mentioned earlier on about people being dis- delayed discharges at the hospitals these are elderly people who are deemed fit, well and able They've had whatever procedures they needed to have, whatever treatment they needed to have in our hospitals. And the consultants and the doctors are saying, time for you to go home. But there's there's either no home for them to go to because there's no one to look after them or there isn't a nursing home for them to go to. And then, of course, we heard during the week that health officials are blaming working families 
for the reason that there's not enough carers available to look after the elderly mum and dad when they need care. Dorothy in East Cork says, so, so unfair to blame working couples. Those that are out working have to do so. They're doing it to keep, in some cases, to pay for a person to stay in a nursing home. Um, Not all of the benefits that are offered from the government are open to all and not everybody qualifies. So some people are paying top-ups on medication, etc. So these people need to work in order that their elderly person can be looked after. Liam says it's always the middle class and the workers that get the blame in this country. We are the ones out working. Let's quote Leah Varadkar, getting up early in the morning. We have to pay for everything, including paying for elderly relatives to, to receive quality a care, of care. It isn't that we're ignoring them says uh, Liam and leaving them in hospitals for the fun of it in many cases we simply don't have any choice and Mary in Mallow says they cannot send older people home if there's no one there for them to look after plus if you need full time care and there's a home care package offered or home helps offered a half an hour a day is simply not good enough families have enough going on with their own lives particularly if they're trying to raise children driving them and collecting them to and from school etc. Families have to work these days just to pay for everything put more home helps on board and give them enough time to do the jobs actually that's something we're going to we're planning on dealing with that topic next week on the programme and this is this whole issue of the HSE saying that people don't want to work as home helps that it and people who were home helps are giving it up it isn't it isn't very attractive job is what the HSC are saying and they're going and working into retail and as we get closer and closer to full employment in this country you'll find that those kind of jobs, those caring jobs which are demanding and I do think you need a vocation for it, you need a great love of what you're doing if people think that you know they're tough jobs to do so if people think well I can make the same and probably more money by having a cushier number somewhere else and you can understand whether they're going to decide I'll go take the cushier number uh, instead so it is a problem and we're going to be looking at it in more detail and I would love to hear from people who had worked as home helps or are working now or worked as home helps in the past and maybe were some of those people who decided to give it up and if so why did you give it up and still getting in calls about the pensions and this and it is something I promise we are going to deal with next week on the programme. These are the letters that have been sent out by the Department of Social Protection, 67 odd thousand of them. We don't think they're all gone out yet but the bulk of them should be out at this stage just telling people what's going on with the changes that have been introduced. They got announced earlier in the year. They've taken their time really on, on contacting people it's the new it's a new pension system it's going to be known as total contribution approach and it'll be rolled out in full in 2020 and but 67,000 pensioners have been written to who will be will have the option to move to the new system early next year so there's letters going out you don't have to do anything with these letters by all accounts by all of our listeners telling us it's just a letter that they've given you the information of what's going to happen Margaret says got one of those pension letters from Sligo three pages she said Lal just telling us they're going to start the process in January by the way says Margaret you know it came from the back to school clothing and footwear allowance department such a load of bull the retired politicians are not subject to any of this bull they get their lump sums and their pensions do they think we're all fools says Margaret well 
hopefully Margaret you won't they, they don't think you're a fool and you might be one of the ones who's going to get a bit of a bump you might get some extra money and you'll be getting it backdated and you'll be getting your lump sum early in the new year and then you'd be delighted that you got that letter and someone I know who'd be delighted to get that letter now is, is Mary one of our regular uh, contributors to WhatsApp on the programme Mary says Patricia uh, I reached the age of 66 last uh, April still waiting on my pension. All the paperwork is done and no pension yet. I have no medical card either and I have to pay big time for the doctors. That is shocking. I don't know what the delay with your pension and I don't know if anybody else has that happened to anybody else where you reach pension age by 66 Mary says done nothing wrong got all the paperwork into them so she's gone from April let's discount April because her birthday her birthday might have been at the end of April so May, June, July August, September October and we're into halfway into November so almost seven months waiting to get her state pension that she's entitled to and with it comes the medical card and has had nothing. She hasn't hasn't received payment yet. That seems a very excessive length of time to be waiting for your pension. Mary, I don't know. Have you tried going to a local politician? They're often very good at sort of nudging it on a little bit. That would be my only advice to you. But we'll air it now just to see, has anybody else heard of a delay that long of at least seven months and you know, we don't know if she's even going to get it before Christmas. It could actually go into 2019 when she'll be heading up to her 67th birthday. Does anybody know why that would be happening or can anybody point Mary in the direction of what she needs to do to speed up payment of her pension, which she's been entitled to since April of 2018? And along with it, obviously, comes her medical card and all of the other ancillary things that you get once you reach the age where you're entitled to your pension and there was a time where you would have got that pension at 65 but of course they pushed it out to 66 it's going to go to 67 to 68 and eventually I'd say it'll hit 70 mark my words This is the Court Today replay on C103 Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins me in studio. Good afternoon to you. Thank you. And uh, you went along, as did I, to see A Star Is Born and Monster Family is the DVD. And before we talk about either a Toy Story... Four, yeah, it? yeah. It's, uh, there's there's kind of a little kind of a preview thing um, arrived on um, on YouTube, and I only saw it yesterday, actually. Yeah, a and, tease, uh, a little teaser. Yeah, it looks kind of cool. Looks so it'll cool. be next year. It'll be next year, I think. Yeah, I think they were already working on it. Yeah, because it takes a long time to make these films. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah 2019, I think. And that's one of the ones that has been successful, hasn't it? The sort of the two and the three. Because you know, the way often you get the one, like, oh, I'll leave it at that. Well, people consider it to be the best trilogy uh, that's ever yes, been made. Yeah, they yeah. look at they look at um, Godfather and they look at Toy Story. I mean, <laughs> Toy Story three was just. I mean, you know. Start to finish. It was wonderful, yeah. And two, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, because the reason why I said three there was because by that stage you think they're not going to be very good. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do with four and of them. They managed to keep all the same actors in- interested as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Tom Hanks would have gone back to it unless it was good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see just how yeah. good it is. And the one big one that you're looking forward to, is it out by Christmas? Mary, Mary Poppins? Poppins, yeah, it's out to early December. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Because yeah. the, the original film is very important to me because it was the first film I ever saw in cinema. Yeah. And actually, I saw it in the cinema 
cinema in Yall. I hope they don't mind people not mind me saying so, but they've, um, they've redone the cinema in Yall beautifully. Yeah. And I was there during the summer when they were redoing it, and I was telling my daughter, I said, this is the first uh, film I ever saw in the cinema. Were you on holidays Poppins. in Yall? We something? were on holidays in Yall, yeah. yeah. And I didn't want to go because I was a you know six-year-old boy or whatever I was. Yeah. And uh, I'm coming out, and I always remember my mom saying, so did you like it? And I said, I just thought it was fabulous. So, uh, so um, my worry was that they were going to mess it up, but it looks as though with uh, some of the early previews that they haven't. It looks terrific. So I'm and, and my story on Mary Poppins, uh, I didn't get to see Mary Poppins because myself and my older sister, she took me over the back wall and we weren't allowed over the back wall and we got <laughs> caught. And the punishment was we weren't allowed to go to Mary Poppins. Oh dear. And we were the only kids in the neighbourhood didn't go to Mary Poppins. So I actually never saw Mary Poppins in, in the cinema. I've held it against my sister all those years. <laughs> <laughs> OK, let's, um, you went to see A Star is Born. Now, yeah. I went along, I, I went uh, to see this uh, as well. And it's like the old star is born, but a new story. It's, uh, oh, I have a trailer. Sorry, I didn't think I did. Thank you, John Paul. <laughs> One very, that's just, very, just a very short uh, trailer. I'm sorry. That's all right. It's not really all right. Let's play. Okay, that's a, a musical trailer uh, from A Star Is Born. Now, I'm of the vintage Barbra Streisand, yeah. Chris Christopherson, and loved A Star Is Born. So I was nervous going along, I have to say. Go on, tell us. Well, it's, it's, it's the fourth uh, version of it. You know, is the, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. There was one back in 1937 with Janet Gaynor, which I haven't seen, but I have seen the Julie Garland one back oh, in 1934. The, yeah, of course. Yeah, which yeah. Is, it was considered to be one of the great classic movies, of course. And then in 76, with Barbara Streisand and you had Chris Gustafsson. And the interesting story about that is that she wanted Elvis to be in the film and did everything she could to get Elvis in. And Elvis wanted to do it. But Colonel Tom Parker didn't like the fact that Elvis wanted to make these serious movies because he wanted to make them those silly Hawaiian movies they yeah. was making. So he no, he said no. It's not. It's never going to happen. So it didn't happen. So instead of Chris Christopherson, it could have been Elvis. Can you imagine how what that would have been diff- like? Oh my goodness, how different would it have been with Elvis? Yeah, but it was good. Chris Christopherson was really yeah, good. Let's right. face it. And you know. that was 1976. That was 76. Yeah. Wow. So this okay. is the fourth telling of uh, of uh, A Star Is Born. So um, this is Bradley Cooper's movie in every way, shape, or form because he's written it, he's directed it, he stars, he sings, he co-wrote the script. I mean. You know, it's his baby. And of course, he shocked the world by saying, well, my co-star is going to be Lady Gaga. And uh, and everybody thought, Lady Gaga? Really? But it has worked. Let's face it. You've seen the film. Ah, Just how good is she? Well, I mean, we all knew she could sing. Well, this is it. But the the worry was, God, would she pull off the acting? Yeah. And, and she is, did. And a star is born. An acting star is born mm. because she is really, really that good and caught everybody by surprise. I mean, Bradley Cooper obviously saw something in her because we didn't know what she looked like for ages because she always had hats and she always had huge amounts of makeup. And then all of a sudden we saw her because in the last couple of years she's kind of peeled that back a bit. And we see this very pretty woman and we're going, oh, right, but she can act. Yes, she can. She can sing. And yes, she does quite a lot. And of course, a film like this, it's very important that the songs are very, very good. And if you and the songs are excellent. Uh, the songs were actually written by Lucas Nelson, who's the son of Willie Nelson, who is a very, oh. very 
very well known. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm glad to say that I thought the songs were excellent and were very 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 good indeed. So I mean, the st- the story is Bradley Cooper. He's kind of an aging kind of rock star. His hearing is going, so he's kind of depressed with that, and his star is kind of slightly on the wane. And because of that, he's, he's drinking too he's much. He's drinking an awful lot. Yeah. He falls into kind of uh, alcoholism, and so therefore he uh, one night after a gig goes to a local bar, uh, which is kind of a drag show bar, but they allow the the boys who kind of dress in drag and sing allow a, a woman to sing every now and then and that's Lady Gaga which makes me wonder was, was that a kind of a little in-joke because wasn't there a terrible rumour a couple of years ago that Lady Gaga was a man yeah, do you remember yeah, that I so did, I'm wondering I was did, that yeah. kind of a hint of yeah. that there so she gets up and she sings and of course he just becomes completely captivated by her and then invites her on tour he invites her to sing on tour and then of course what happens is of course her star just explodes and whilst his is on the wane hers gets better and so you know you can't go wrong really with a storyline of that I don't think I mean it's it's kind of and they didn't change the storyline they stuck with it it's a formula that works so stick with it exactly and it's a, it yeah. is a brilliant formula and uh, it just works so brilliantly here I mean Bradley Cooper does a lot of his own singing the live uh, gigs that they do are actually live in fact because of the um, Lucas Nelson kind of uh, involvement in the film um, they slot in for about 20 minutes or something during a Willie Nelson concert they said can we come in in front of the crowd and do it <laughs> and so they did and they oh, also clever. and they sang live too and that was Lady, that was Lady Gaga's uh, um, idea she said to Bradley Cooper look I don't want to lip sync this at all I don't want to mime We when we do this I'm going to sing live and you should sing live too so he had to go away and uh, take that singing lessons that put pressure on him exactly yeah. yeah so yeah so a terrific cast as well I mean there's a lovely kind of couple of scenes from some camp there's a lovely cameo with Dave Chappelle and which I really really liked Andrew Dice Clay plays her father now he was a very interesting character back in the 80s because he was a stand-up comedian very very controversial uh, not the nicest of men but he has kind of managed to kind of, for some reason somehow I don't know kind of re-completely jig his career and now he ends up in films like this Sam Elliott of course plays his brother and of course <laughs> he uses Sam Elliott's voice because if you close your eyes and you listen to Bradley Cooper he actually does sound like Sam Elliott and at one stage Sam during the film says you stole my voice yeah. which I thought was kind of interesting yeah. Um, yeah everything about it is perfect it's, it is long but be- even though the pacing is quite slow the pacing is very deliberate and I liked that I mean from the start when he's performing uh, in, in um, on concert to him meeting Lady Gaga and that beautiful scene where they talk about her nose yeah. uh, right up to when she finally gets on board the plane to go on tour with him that's about 40 minutes into the film and it just is deliberate and the pacing is so deliberate and that's because like modern movies you got to get in get into the story get into the story he doesn't do that here so it's brilliantly directed brilliantly acted brilliant songs and you know uh, come Oscar season you know it's going to do well best film best director best actress yeah. best songs and it'll be well deserved it'll, and very much so be, yeah and yeah. fair cheese to Bradley Cooper for, for you know sticking by his guns and saying this is how I'm going to make it and this is who I want to be in the film with me uh, because of course uh, there were people saying Lady Gaga that's not going to happen it did and fair cheese to him and as the emotional female if you are going around bring the tissues because I, I met a number of cry. couples yeah because all the women said they cried and all the men went no no really yeah. I, I didn't cry but I did enjoy it very much and the, as we were coming out of the you know like when you come out of the darkness into the light <laughs> of, the, of the cinema you could see all the oh mascara marks you could see <laughs> rushing to the low quickly quickly yeah it was yeah. It's, it's beautiful Mark out of 10 uh, 9 9 out of 10 it really is superb a star is born and the DVD is Monster Family yeah I'm, you know there wasn't much to um, out this month to to, um, to review so yeah this thing Monster Family it's a very, very odd film. It's kind of a German-British kind of co-production. And it's directed by a German guy by the name of Holger Tapp, who did make a film called Animals United 
started a couple of years ago, which was very similar to Madagascar. And people were saying, look, it's, it, you know, we're comparing it. And here, this film is also, it's like movies that we've seen a lot of recently, Hotel Transylvania, Paranorman, uh, Monster House. It's very similar to these. And again, you know, people are comparing them to those. But it's, it's nowhere near as good as um, any of those films, it should be pointed out. And the thing that I was talking about, um, Lady Gaga lip syncing there uh, during the first film. Um, when I was watching this, something was very, very off and something was really, really annoying me. And the fact is, is that the lip sync was slightly off. And of course, oh. my, my OCD was just going absolutely crazy. And I think the reason is, is because you've got a German director. It's written by a, a German woman called Katharina Junk. Now, lots of people used a wordplay on her name to describe the film. I wouldn't. I won't do that because I think it's pronounced Junk anyway. Okay. Uh, so I think it was a German film, and I think it was made in German. And I think what they did was they went back and they decided let's um, issue this to uh, the, the English-speaking part of the world. They went back and reanimated and recomputerized uh, the, the 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 facial expressions. And I think that's what happened. They just didn't do a very very good job. But they do have an amazing cast. I mean, they went and they basically said to any every English actor out there and said, "Who wants to be in this film?" And of course. You know, this is easy to do. Actors, they don't have to learn their scripts. They don't have to perform. All they got to do is just basically go in, stand behind a mic and do Pair it. Their headphones and on the money and, and read away. So you've got Emily Watson, you've got Jason Isaacs, Nick Frost, Simile, uh, Celia Imry and Catherine Tate. An amazing cast. The problem with the film is that it's terrible. There's not enough jokes. The storyline is nonsense. And of course, because of that, I think the director felt under pressure to kind of just throw everything at the screen so it's just all slapstick in your face it's noisy and it's smashy and after an hour you do become very very tired um, it's only got about a 10% rating on um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes so I'm not the only one who didn't particularly like it 10 year olds will like it I think though. Well, okay. and it's called uh, Monster, Monster Family, Family. Mark it out 10 for the animation which is beautiful I give it 4 4 yeah. okay and somebody wants to know is there any Christmas movies out this year Mark Oh crikey! Um, that's a very good question. I haven't seen any. I haven't certainly haven't seen any advertised. I mean, they they always churn out a few, don't they? They always come up with some. You know, it's funny you should say that because yeah. I can't There's, think of one. Isn't there a Grinch? Is there a Grinch? Oh, the Grinch one? movie, yeah, 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 which is the animated film. Um, but I, again, I wondered why they made that because every time I think of the Grinch, I think of Jim Carrey yeah. and his wonderful kind of portrayal of it. Yeah. And this, they've got uh, Benedict Cumberbatch playing the Grinch. It looks beautiful. The reviews haven't been great, but Have they uh, not? I'm looking forward to seeing it. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's a Christmas movie. That's a Christmas so. movie. Yeah. Even no, not. I, it's one of those, I don't like the Grinch. I, just, I think the whole thing behind the Grinch and all of that well, is there just... There is a f- form of redemption at the end, isn't there? I know, but still, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just, it's not, it's one of those ones that don't float my boat. I have to watch Home Alone 1 every single year without <laughs> fail. And Miracle on 34th Street, they'll all be on, they'll all be on the TV. And Elf, yeah. And they have the, um, the those, uh, those movie channels that stream... Christmas movies since summertime, twenty four seven. Yeah, they're up and running. They go up. They, they, they one of them is on June or July, and my wife yeah. watches them all. Sorry, she's well, listening. Uh, I shouldn't say anything. She does love them, by the way. Yeah. I, I can't stand them. I don't watch them. So some of them are some of them are made for TV movies, though, aren't they? Oh, they're all pretty much yeah. yeah low true, budget. These true Christmas things, yeah, which yeah. are terrible. I can't watch them. So okay, I, so I don't. <laughs> sorry, but if you want a Christmas movie, they are there at the moment. All right, Mark, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for that, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. That's uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Uh, before we go a couple of things I just want to give a quick mention to and wish the very best of luck to everybody involved with the official launch of Sensational Kids in Clonakilty they are a group that we spoke to a couple of weeks ago on the programme they're a new not-for-profit social enterprise child development centre in West Cork and they provide things like speech and language therapy occupational therapy and play therapy and they are having their official opening in about five minutes time one o'clock today they're on the second floor 
tour of Building G at the West Cork Technology Park in Clonakilty and Deputy Margaret Murphy-Omani will be performing the official launch there at one o'clock today. So good luck to everybody involved with uh, Sensational Kids. Other things happening across the weekend that we want to wish good luck to on Q Productions who joined us in studio Fish Out of Water. They are on stage uh, tomorrow night and again on Sunday and Banshee Blues GAA Club they've got their fundraiser called the Oscars uh, which is on uh, across this weekend so good luck to everybody there that's where I leave you for today um, handing you over to Nick Richards who's going to come in live from Cavanaugh's of Mallow your new home for Ford in Mallow thanks to John Paul talk to you Monday Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.